This is part three of the series of Sugar, and we're reintroducing this podcast again because it's six years old but still relevant, and we hope you listened to the first two, and if you haven't, go back and listen to part one and two and let us know what you think. You know, I think one of the things about sugar is that it's universally alluring. You know, not, not one person hasn't been allured and tempted and overindulged in sugar. And so this is, you know, sugar is definitely a universal language. And so if you've got friends you want to share this with, we encourage you to pass it along. Yeah. Enjoy. Here we are at part three of why we love sugar. And in the first couple parts, we talked about what sugar does to our bodies and how we react to sugar. And in the second part, we talked about all the different kinds of sugars. So today we're going to talk about what do we do with sugar? How do we deal with the cravings? How do we get it out of our life in such an addictive way? So <laughs> This is one of the biggest challenges from our clients, yep. right? It's the temptation and it's part of everyday living. It's there for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's right. there at parties and at celebrations. Yep. It's Everywhere we turn, it's on every corner. Yeah, we can't really avoid it. It's it, We actually, as we talked about in our first couple of podcasts, we need sugar. So it's not like alcohol or drugs where you can go cold turkey and not have them anymore and live perfectly healthy. Right. We've, so. we've got to acknowledge that it's really hard, you know, that this this truly is a challenge for us on a regular basis. It's not like all of a sudden one day we can say, you know, I'm no longer attracted to sugar. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And we also need to acknowledge, too, that we're all just a little bit different. You know, in a family of four, everybody's just a little bit different. You all love it, but some people are more attracted to it than others. And that you're right. You bring up another challenge, too, that if you're not living alone, Mm. which most of us aren't, you have to deal with the people you're living with who may not be on board with you maybe trying to limit your sugar. So there might be sugar in your house when you're trying to avoid it, and that makes a challenge as well. So there are temptations everywhere. You brought up a good point the other day that it's just like drugs and alcohol in some ways that there's some shame attached to this addiction that we have. I thought that was a really interesting idea that because we like it so much and... Yeah, there is a shame. It's like people feel that they're bad or wrong, that Mm -hmm. they can't handle themselves, that they're out of control. And there's a shame attached to that, that people hide it, just like they do uh, alcohol and drugs. They hide their sugar consumption. I can think of just a couple people off the top of my head (laughs) who do that. So so we want to get away from that shame and understand that it's it's so normal, first Mm -hmm. of all. It's so normal. And there are ways to address it. And it's an ongoing thing. It's not something you can address today, and then it'll be gone. Right. It's a it's a behavior management. So that's that's a big part of it. And to get rid of the shame, you know, accept yourself for I love sugar. I have trouble moderating sugar, mm-hmm. but it's okay. You know, that's one of my works. Right. That's one of the challenges. There's also one of the challenges that we wanted to mention too was all of the competing messages out there. So it's not just your own battle that it tastes good and that it's around everywhere else. It's also that there's messages out there that sweet makes happiness. Mm, right. And that sweet makes you feel better. I was talking about when I was a mother of infants and they were going to the doctor, when they would go to the doctor of all places, they would leave with lollipops because, uh, you know, they were good kids. Here's a reward, right. some sugar. So, yeah. 
when we grow up that way yeah. in society, we tend to say, if, if I'm good, therefore I get a treat. That's right. And that's what dessert is all about, too. Most parents mm. say you can't have dessert until you have your meal. That's the reward. That's the here's something sweet for something you've done. That's a hard message to undo in yeah. our heads. Well, I think we also need to acknowledge, though, even though the media says that sugar equals happiness, it does give us actually a little bit of, you know, it does make us feel good. It's got an instant gratification. And we are actually happy. It's for often just a very short amount of time, and then we're very unhappy. Right. And it's hard to remember. That's right. That roller coaster that it. That's exactly what it is. It is a roller coaster because you feel good and then you feel woo. And then you plummet <laughs> really down low. Right. right? And, and you, so then you want some more sugar so you got back up again. Right. And roller coasters are fun temporarily, but not every day all the time. <laughs> they can make you sick if you're on it all the time. That's exactly. Imagine yourself on a roller coaster every day all the time. Not right. fun. And we do want to acknowledge, just we said in the very beginning, our first podcast was that sugar was the root of inflammation, which is the root of dis-ease as well. That's right. It, it often is the basis of most problems in people's health. So let's talk about strategies for dealing with sugar, because that's what this podcast is really all about. And I think the first thing to talk about with dealing with sugar and your cravings is awareness. That's the starting point for all healing, right, is the awareness of the messages our body's telling us when something's going on for us. And not being mindless. So instead of mindlessly grabbing that candy that's out in the bowl in your office, it's actually thinking about it. Oh, there's a bowl of candy. I want some. Should I have it? I know it won't make me feel good. That awareness can make that decision, you know, a, a mindful one and maybe make have you choose the better decision. So it's all about being aware of your body, being aware of your thoughts so that mindlessness doesn't happen in your choice. It really is a journey. This is something that we're going to have to deal with. We also encourage people not to say, okay, as of Monday, mm-hmm. I'm going to cut sugar out of my diet. Right. Because for so many of us, we're going to have celebrations. We're going to have vacations and Where connections sugar, with yeah. people. And so if we say never and then break our promise... You know, we're not perfect people. No. It's forgiving yourself. It's the awareness. It's letting yourself have some. You know, for for me, once in a while, if I'm at a wedding or I'm at a celebration, there's a couple of graduations coming up, I know there's going to be some things out there that are going to tempt me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be mindful about what I choose. But I may choose to have some some sweets. Right. But it's that day by itself. It doesn't have to happen the day before. It doesn't have to happen the day after. It's going to be that day by itself that I choose, okay, I'll have this one treat. Well, and the one treat is a very interesting idea, too. It's actually a story of one of my clients. Is that there's a bakery around the corner from her house. She knows the family. They uh, make delicious homemade completely from the earth ingredients, and she loves their macaroons. Mm. But she buys ten instead of one, two, or three. Right. And she eats them on her way home so they're completely gone by the time she gets home she binges on them yeah so we've created a new ritual for her that when she buys them it's one two or three and she actually takes it home she pours herself a cup of tea and she sits and really smells them and tastes them she's savoring it and enjoying it and feeling the happiness that she has when she's having these homemade macaroons. Right. And she's experienced it once now, and she said it was a, the biggest challenge to actually get home without going uh, into the bag. Yeah. But she said it. it she, she loved it, and she was full, and she was 
very much more content. Yep. That, that is such a good point. And I think that's a strategy that people can take right now. And that's part of the shame. You know, I think that she probably had all of the 10 in the car on the way there, sort of almost to get it over with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's a matter of, okay, if you're going to allow yourself this one thing, really savor it. Because if you actually pay attention to all the tastes and textures and how it feels in your mouth and and if you're sitting in a nice, peaceful place or doing something that you enjoy, it's going to be such an enjoyable thing. Right. Just having that one instead of rushing out of shame to get it right. down and then right. fe- feeling kind of junky afterwards. Or for some people, they might sit there and try to savor it and be like, oh, this doesn't actually really taste good. Exactly. This actually, this whatever they might have chosen as their, I'm just going to call it a donut, for example. Mm-hmm. And they realize that they just don't even like the donut. It's yep. just become a habit for them on Saturday or Sunday morning. Very true. I've had that experience myself. I realized I went for a year without having any processed sugar and really not having any sugar products. It was just um, sweet foods like um, carrots and, and root vegetables. So I didn't ever have any refined sugar treats for one year. I was being macrobiotic. And when I started having sugar again, I realized I didn't really like some of the things that I mm. used to love. Oh, yeah. And it never tasted as good as it looked. And it's still to this day. So that's a strategy I use with my clients. You know, look at that. You've probably had it a hundred times in your life. Remember Mm -hmm. what it tastes like. Remember the textures. Maybe you don't need to have it at all once you go through that imagination. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, you know, most of the time, I think, and people have agreed with me, it doesn't taste as good as you remember it. Right. Or that it looks. And so is it really worth it? And I've talked myself out of many things, thankfully, not being upset about it because I had that memory. You know, it just didn't taste as good as it looked. Right. So it's not worth it. Sticking with the awareness, I also, just the idea that maybe you're not actually needing a sweet right then. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe what you're looking for is a hug or right. a conversation with a good friend or, you know, some intimacy with your partner or something like that instead of actually wanting yep. the sugar. Which is interesting how we use language that way where we talk about that being sweet or yes. someone being sweet. Yeah. Because it is the same fulfilling feeling we often get, although much longer lasting and much healthier. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that is, it's finding the sweet not in foods. It's finding the sweet in life. Dancing, you know, people, I've heard about people dancing on their own when they got a sweet craving and they just put some music on and started dancing and it kind of did what it needed to do. And I know that sounds so simple and I don't mean to, to make it, seem like, oh, don't worry about your cravings, just go have a dance. But it is a lot of that time. So seek out that friend or that music or all those things you mentioned before. And one of the things that we talk about is the future self. Yeah, I love this. Can you explain that? Yeah, the the future self is actually, you know, taking a camera and maybe creating a movie of yourself, you know, five minutes down the road, maybe an hour down the road, or even five years down the road. What will I feel like, look like? What's my performance going to be? If I have this right now, how am I going to feel later? Mm-hmm. And will your future self like this self right now right or, or be upset with that person right, because right. of what they decided to do right yeah so yeah I, I do that often with myself not only with treats but with other things like chores I don't want to do right and I get myself to do them because I think of my future self's going to be really upset with me for not doing right. that right so it's a good strategy so we talked a little bit too about having other people in the house creating boundaries for ourselves is another really important strategy and 
If you have control over the cabinets in the house, one of the boundaries is not having it available in the house. Right. So if you have the opportunity, you know, the, the boundary is not having it in the house, or maybe there's a cabinet that's not your cabinet. It's cabinets for other people in the house if there's not an opportunity to shift everybody in the house to the way you're eating. Right. So creating boundaries. So another wonderful boundary that you and I talk with our clients about a lot is actually switching if you're going to have something sweet during the day it's often really good to have it right after lunch mm -hmm. instead of having it dinner right having it right after lunch and not having it you know right in the middle of the day that three o'clock or four o'clock lull meals, that a lot right. of people you know tend to go for it instead of between meals have it as a treat at the end of lunch right. with with the meal that's right. And your body will absorb it and respond to it on a chemical level differently. But yeah, that's the best time of the day to eat anyway. So right. that's when you throw that extra calories in. Your body can handle it much better than at the end of the day or in between meals. So removing it from your house or having an agreement with your family members to either have them not bring stuff in or have their own cabinets that you're not going to go in. It's recruiting your family for support, right. saying, listen, I'm really trying. Can you keep it out of my sight? Don't tell me where it is or whatever it is. It's really trying to get your family aboard. And if you have kids that are small and you're worried about that, that to me is not an excuse because right. really maybe they shouldn't be having it either. And right. you're in charge. So right. it shouldn't be in the house for you or for them. So that's not an excuse. But my kids like it. Mm -hmm. So we've really enjoyed sharing these podcasts with you, these last strategies of awareness, of behavior modification, and for finding other sweet things in your life. We hope these strategies of dealing with sugar has been supportive. And if you have strategies that we haven't mentioned, that would also be helpful to others if you want to add your comments to our Facebook page or on our blog. That would be great, too, to hear what you've done to help your journey along and not submitting to these sweet temptations. Thanks for listening. Keep the conversation going at nourishcoaches.com and stay tuned for more Nourish Noshes as we continue our quest to make the world a healthier place.